Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Friday, September 4th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Murray, and I'll be riding solo today, breaking down the latest in the world of mixed martial arts for you. So there's actually quite a bit to talk about today, guys. Uh, there was a lot of news that happened during this week. Uh, last podcast I did was on Tuesday with Cole. So definitely check that out, by the way, if you missed it. We broke down the entire UFC on ESPN Plus, the 34 Overeem versus Sakai card. And there are some uh, adjustments to that card that I'll talk about in a second here. But definitely check out Tuesday's episode of the podcast if you haven't already. But like I said, today's going to be a pretty busy episode, actually. Uh, quite a few fight announcements, lots of news. And like I said, there were some changes to this Saturday's card. So I might as well jump right into it right now. I'll start with uh, tomorrow night's card. So like I said, there's some changes. And I don't think this would surprise anyone at this point. It feels like every card is at least going to have one or two fights that fall off or are switched at the last second. And this card was not immune to that at all. So um, two fights were affected by this. At least one definitely was affected. One is kind of up in the air right now. But the fight that was canceled, a women's bantamweight bow between Carol Rosa and Sajara Hubanks, that fight has been scratched. Carol Rosa was taken to hospital. I believe she had a tough weight cut. So that fight's not going to happen. Thankfully, the UFC was actually able to rebook Eubanks very fast. She'll be taking on Julia Avia next weekend. So that's really nice they were able to book her. And that fight against Avila should be really good. Uh, Julia Avila was supposed to fight Nico Montano. She has COVID-19, so that fight has been canceled as well. So there's always fights changing at the last second. But thankfully, they were able to get Sarge a fight. It's just too bad because I really like Carol Rose in this fight, guys. I thought that earlier in the week she was minus 130 when we did the podcast. That was a steal. And... Right now, she's minus 145, but again, the fight got canceled. So it's too bad because I think that people don't realize how good this girl really is, and I think she would have won that fight. The other fight that's been affected and hasn't been officially scratched yet, but it's kind of up in the air at this point. We'll probably find out in a little bit. Uh, the weigh-ins are supposed to happen in a couple hours. Brian Kelleher against Kevin Natty, Natty Vidad. That fight is up in the air right now. Um, multiple reports reporting that uh, Natty Vidad has had a uh, – uh, potentially a false positive for COVID-19, but they're doing additional testing to make sure it's not an actual positive test. So if it is, obviously that fight's going to be scratched. According to Brian Kelleher, the UFC has already uh, got a replacement opponent for him. He's already accepted it. So I don't know who that's going to be. It's going to be someone who's taking the fight on like one or two days notice though. So probably a local Vegas guy, if I had to guess, no idea who it would be. Um, the fight, I guess, would take place at 145 as well. It's too bad, though, if this fight doesn't happen, because I do like uh, Natty Vidad in in this matchup, as I talked about on Tuesday's podcast. Uh, I'd like Kelleher a lot, too, but I think that there it could be value on this guy, plus 190. But again, you know, if he's sick with COVID-19, the fight can't happen. Honestly, uh, it'd probably be better, if anything, because guys that have had COVID-19 have not been performing that well inside the octagon, for the most part. A lot of them have been losing their fights. So if this guy is sick, you know, hopefully he feels better soon and they can get this fight maybe rebooked or they give him someone else. But, you know, for Brian Kelleher, I see him on Twitter right now and uh, he responded to Mike Heck's tweet about the fight potentially being uh, canceled. And he basically said, you know, uh, I've accepted another opponent. And he just said, I don't want to get sick. How do I know it's a false positive? He doesn't actually have it. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, if I'm Brian Kelleher, I, I don't blame him at all. If he doesn't want to take this fight against the guy who potentially could get him sick, no one would want to put themselves at risk like that so we'll probably find out in a couple hours if this fight's gonna happen or not but uh we'll see what happens all right so let's go to contender series so that took place on tuesday let's talk about that card overall i think it was a pretty good card my picks actually were pretty good for the card i think it went four and one so pretty solid overall um it was definitely a, a fun fight at night uh, night of fights guys it was i think overall it was one of the better 
uh, cards they've had this season. It, there were some really quality fights on this card. So let's start with the first fight. It had uh, Tucker Lutz against Chase Gibson. Lutz wins a decision. He didn't get a contract. You know, Dana White can't give a contract to everyone. I mean, this guy could be in the UFC. I do think he's, like, close to being in the UFC, but he didn't really have that performance that kind of opened eyes. He didn't get a finish, and he wasn't really, like, going for the finish late, which is something Dana White loves to see. So I'm not surprised they didn't sign him to a contract just yet. However, I do think this guy's pretty good, and I think eventually he might get in the UFC. So this is a guy that should keep his phone on because there's lots of short-notice fights coming up. Uh, lots of opportunities, guys getting sick, guys getting hurt, guys getting sick from COVID-19. He could definitely be a guy that jumps in to a fight. So didn't get signed tonight on uh, Tuesday night, but I think it's a guy that in Lutz that could be signed in the future. Next up, William Knight defeats Cody Brundage via first-round TKO. I'm surprised he was the underdog. Didn't really make sense to me. Brundage, not much experience, only I think four fights heading into this contest. He did look good early on. He got the takedown. It was basically in back mount, had William Knight flattened completely out. It was really weird how Herb Dean was saying he was going to stand these guys up. I mean, the guy had him in full back mount. He had his hooks in. He had the guy belly down, and he was raining up punches. And then Herb Dean's like, you guys, you guys, you got to work. We'll stand you up. Really weird. I mean, Herb Dean is a good ref, but come on. I mean, even he knows that's a dominant position. You can't stand it up from. You know, eventually, William Knight was able to kind of reverse the position, get up, and then he was able to actually uh, finish Barnage with elbows against the fence, like those Travis Brown type of elbows against the cage. Nasty knockout. Great performance by Knight. He should have been the UFC last year when he got his uh, win on the contender series, but thankfully he got another opportunity and showed that he is UFC caliber. And I'm excited to see this guy in the UFC. I mean, he's not a huge guy for light heavy at 510, but he's built like a, a tank. And as we saw in this fight, I mean, the guy definitely has some resiliency in his game. So I'm excited to see him in the UFC. Again, really surprised he was the underdog, and then he closed at plus 120. I mean, that was definitely a steal if anyone got him at that price. So it's a guy that should have been favored in this fight. And I'm glad he's in the UFC. I think he's going to be a welcome addition to the 205-pound division. Next up, Ronnie Lawrence defeats Jose Johnson via unanimous decision. Johnson was a big favorite in this fight. Lawrence came, kind of came out of nowhere and just dominated this fight. This was a fun fight to watch. It didn't end in a finish, but Ronnie Lawrence still got a contract. And I'm 100% with Dana on this one. This guy looked incredible in this fight. I mean, his grappling, he was. He said afterward that Ronnie Lawrence is special. And I think that's pretty high praise for a guy like Dana White. I was very impressed by his performance as well. He just kept taking this guy down at will. And when he did get him down, he was going for submissions. He was going to advanced positions. He was looking to finish the fight. Johnson had good defensive jiu-jitsu, was able to evade any submission attempts for the most part, and managed to get to the decision. But... You know, for Ronnie Lawrence, I mean, this guy definitely is impressive. So I'm excited to see him fight in the UFC. Uh, glad they signed him. And I'm curious to see who they match him up with next. But, I mean, this guy, his wrestling is really, really good. So I'm excited to see him work at 135. I can only imagine him fighting a guy like Marab Devalishvili at some point. Uh, not now, obviously. Marab's up there in the rankings. But at some point, that would be a fun fight. This guy has excellent grappling. So I was very impressed by his performance. Didn't get the finish, but I'm actually okay with him getting a contract. I think Dana White made the right call here. Next up, and this was definitely fight of the night, Jimmy Flick defeats Nate Smith via third-round submission with an arm triangle choke. This was an amazing fight. Seriously, so much fun to watch. I had a feeling it'd be a good fight. Jimmy Flick's a very exciting fighter, always going for the finish. Nate Smith, a really good prospect. Obviously lost his fight, but he'll be back. And I think Dana White even said they're going to invite this guy back at some point. So 
even in a loss, I think his stock kind of went up. This was a really good fight. I mean, he, somehow he almost managed to go the distance uh, despite all these numerous submission attempts from Jimmy Flick. But obviously, Flick was the story of the fight. Man, this guy's this guy's fun to watch. And flyweight needs guys like this. Guy like this that can go for a finish at any point. The fight's on the ground. That's fun to watch. Overall, in his career, fifteen to five now, twenty nine years old, three straight wins, and almost all of his wins are actually I think all of his wins except for his first fight. His first fight was at Bellator 20 in 2010. That's crazy. And it's uh, the first fight he was, the first fight card he was on. You look at some of the names on that card Alexander Slomenko, uh, Brian Baker, a couple guys that used to be in uh, Bellator that were kind of like big guys for them. He was some former UFC guys like uh, uh, Brian Melanson. That's crazy. So that, that's a long time ago, man. I think that was Bellator's first first or second season, and uh, he was part of that. So this guy's been grinding for 10 years to get here. And, you know, after a performance like this, I mean, he had to be signed. So I'm excited to see this guy in the UFC. You look at his resume, he's been knocked out a few times. So, you know, he's definitely a guy that could lose. But I think that his grappling is just so exciting to watch. It's it's obviously a good signing by the UFC here. 125 needs this. I was talking to Cole, my podcast co-host, and he said, what about a fight between Tim Elliott and Jimmy Flick? And I was like, whoa, that would be a fun fight to watch. So I'd love to see that fight, and they would be a really good one at some point in the future. But either way, I'm excited to see this guy in the UFC. I think it was a great signing. And finally, the main event of the evening, Mel Sick, uh, Ryan defeats Dennis Bazookia via unanimous decision. Pretty competitive fight. Uh, Mel Sick, the second round, he definitely was tired out, but somehow uh, got a second win in the third round, and Bazookia got really tired, and he was able to – get the decision here. Uh, pretty good fight. I mean, uh, he didn't get a, a contract, but I, I believe he was invited back for another episode of the Contender Series later this year. So Dana White definitely has this guy on his radar. Um, obviously, he's an Edmund Tiverdian product, so he's got the uh, the coach that uh, the UFC is very familiar with there, and obviously Ronda Rousey's connected to this guy as well. So I, I think he will be in the UFC eventually, but I, I think they were right to pass on for now because to me there were some holes in this guy's game, especially in his cardio and uh, some other holes in the striking defense and stuff like that. But offensively, definitely an exciting guy to watch. He's got good striking, and it was a fun fight to watch. And Bazookia, he's also a pretty tough kid. He'll probably be back again at some point in the future. So overall, I mean, it was a really fun night of fights. I enjoyed watching these fights a lot. Uh, this was the fifth week of the uh, season, the fourth season of the Contender Series. And overall, I think it's been a really good season of fights. I love the Tuesday Night Contender Series, guys. It's a lot of fun. Right now, I'm looking at the uh, upcoming schedule there's at least two more cards i think they said they're going to do 10 cards but dana white also said that they're going to go back to fight uh to contender series in uh i think he said november so they're going to be doing another season i'm not sure if that's a continuation of this season or if that's a completely other season but he definitely mentioned that and we'll see what happens as far as who they sign and bring on but i'm excited to see uh more fighters on contender series earn their way into the ufc love the show it's a fun show to watch and the fights have been great all right, so let's get to some news here. And I already got a comment from Kenshiro about the news, but I'm going to start with it. This was my headline of the day. I just wanted to get some of the, the other stuff out of the way. But let's start with this, guys. Brock Lesnar. So I talked a little bit about it on Tuesday. At that point, it was just kind of rumored. He was just rumored to be a free agent. Now it's confirmed he's a free agent. And all week, the talk of the town's been, is Brock Lesnar coming back to the UFC? And Dana White, he talked about it at the post-fight press conference after Contender Series on Tuesday night. And he said he, he's interested. He And he wants to book the fight against John Jones. Dana White likes that fight. He said, if both these guys want it, we'll book it. John Jones has been calling out Brock Lesnar on Twitter this week. It seems like a fight that the fans want to see as well. I personally would like to see this fight. I think it'd be a fun fight. 
Listen, if, if, John, if Jones is moving to heavyweight, it's only for big fights. He's not going to fight someone like Augusto Sakai or whatever. He's only going to fight top five guys, elite guys, big name guys. I still think there's a chance he can get that title shot, but Dana White also said at the press conference, he said, Francis is going to get a title shot. He's been grinding for two years. He deserves it. We're giving it to him. So it looks like it's going to be Francis for Stipe 2 next. Stipe doesn't seem to be too interested in the fight, considering he dominated the first fight, but the UFC wants to do this fight. It is the right thing to do. Francis deserves it. He's won four straight fights by knockout. He's looked amazing. He deserves a title shot. Jones, I, I, again, he's the biggest name probably in the sport other than Connor. So he could still waltz in there and get it. But now that Brock is an option, Dana White said this is a good introduction for heavyweight. And I agree with that. Brock's a huge dude. He's an experienced guy. He's a former UFC heavyweight champion. He's a guy that is one of the biggest stars ever in the sport. I think Jones versus Brock. That's an insane pay-per-view. Like that could be a record-breaking pay-per-view for the UFC. I really believe that. It'd be a massive fight. So yes, Brock hasn't fought in four years. His last fight was against Mark Hunt. He lost he won the fight by decision, but overturned to a no contest due to uh PED use. He's not in the USA testing pool right now. He'll have to pass that. Who knows if he can even pass it at this point? Honestly, I mean you look at all the jokes on online, people are not convinced Brock Lesnar is going to be able to pass his USADA drug test. But if he can and he does want to come back to the UFC. This Jones fight is a no-brainer, man. It really is. This is a massive, massive fight for the UFC if they can do it. So I think there's a good chance of it. Obviously, Brock's 43. Jones is only 33, so it's like a 10-year age gap in Jones' favor. Jones is a guy who's essentially undefeated in his career. Brock's shown holes in his game um, and it kind of like taking shots. We saw in the Kane fight if, uh, at one point and over the, also the overing fight, although he was sick with diverticulitis at that point, got kicked in the body and finished. But those are big fights for the UFC. So... Yeah, I mean, Brock, yeah, of course he hasn't fought in forever. And he actually he hasn't won a fight technically in, like, I think 10 years. So it's been a long time since Brock's won a fight. His last win, I believe, was Shane Carwin, which is insane. 2010, UFC 116. That's his last win, other than Mark Hunt, which some people, you know, will say it's, a, it's still a win. But, I mean, he did test positive for banned substances, so they overturned it. Anyways, I'm excited about it, man. Seriously, I, I think this is really good for the sport. You know, as someone who relies on big names and, and news to make a living. This is huge for us. So I'm excited about this. When the news came up, Brock was potentially going to come back to the UFC this week. I was excited about it. And, you know, throughout the week, it's just getting better and better. John Jones wants Brock Lesnar. I would watch that fight, guys. Who would say no to that fight? That's a huge fight. So Dana White definitely wants it as well. Um, you know, the other guy that potentially could fight John Jones, Alistair Overeem. This is the other fight. Alistair Overeem came out and he was asked about Jones, and he says he's interested. They've trained together. They used to be training partners at Jackson Wink, and this would be a fun fight. I mean, this would be a really good matchup for John Jones, too. Like, both of these guys, Lesnar and Overeem, they're really good tests because they're huge dudes. It would allow us to kind of see where Jones stacks up physically uh, at heavyweight, and also they're guys that can be beaten, but they can also win, too. So, yes, they'd be underdogs against John Jones, and the odds actually did open for Lesnar versus Jones. And Lesnar is a big underdog in that fight. Having said that, Lesnar is a big dude. He does have KO power. So who knows? I mean, John Jones would be favored. He'd be a big favorite in that fight, but it'd be interesting. Same with the Overeem fight. I think Jones would be favored there too, but, you know, Overeem, he's a dangerous guy. I think it'd be a fun fight, guys. So I'm excited either way. Whoever they give Brock Lesnar, if he does return, I hope he does return. You know, it's all about big, it's all about big names and, and big fights. That's what we all want here. We want to see the best possible fight, the biggest possible names. And again, you know, Francis is going to fight Stipe next. Jones is going to have to stay busy. Brock's the perfect guy or Overeem. Both, both those guys are, in my opinion, really good fights for John Jones at heavyweight in his debut. 
we'll see what happens. I find out in the next coming, uh, coming couple of weeks or months, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, they can't keep Jones on the shelf forever. He has not fought since February. I know they want to keep him in the, they want to kind of wait for the fans to come back. I'm guessing same with Connor, but at some point you got to, Got, you got to get these guys booked for fights. Jones is going to fight again soon, and hopefully in the uh, maybe in January he could fight whoever, Lesnar or someone. I think that's kind of what they're targeting January-ish, so we'll see what happens. Uh, just looking at uh, Kinshiro's comments, uh, it doesn't look like he thinks that Lesnar's going to have a chance against Jones. I mean, again, look, you look at the odds. They did open this week, and I'm just checking them again right now. Uh, right now, Brock or John, John Jones minus 350, Brock's plus 265. Those are the opening odds. hasn't really moved much. People aren't betting on it yet, obviously. Um, the other fight that uh, odds open for it, Brock Lesnar against Fedor. Brock minus 135, Fedor plus 105. I mean, we can't count that a fight out either. That fight could happen. We could see Brock versus Fedor and Bellator. But at this point, if the UFC wants Brock, they'll get Brock. They have more money than Bellator. I know Bellator is backed by a big company, but they've been bleeding money for years. Like, yes, that'd be a big fight, but it'd probably be a one-off. Whereas with the UFC, I mean, Joe, uh, Brock Lesnar potentially could fight more than once. We'll see. I mean, I know he's 43, and Kinshiro's saying Brock's old and stuff. I get that, but he's still a huge star. He's still a massive star. I'm laughing at this comment. Where's Cole Smith? Aren't you guys going to discuss this weekend's UFC fight night? No, we did on Tuesday, so definitely check out the podcast. I don't think you were here for that one, Kinshiro, but it was a good show. Anyways, let's go to some other news here. Uh, COVID-19, I mean, that's obviously been a headline for months now, and especially in MMA. Couple of guys tested positive for it. Glover Teixeira tested positive for COVID nineteen. He is out of his fight next week against Tiago Santos. Thankfully, the fight has been rescheduled until uh, October third, so it'll be the co-main event on the card. Uh, uh, Irina Aldana versus Holly Holm. Irina Aldana, ironically, also had COVID nineteen, so she'll be headlining the card against Holm. Co-main event: Glover versus Tiago Santos. It's too bad. I think this would have been a better five-round fight, but, I mean, if Glover's sick, they can't do the fight, obviously. So, thankfully, they were able to rebook it quickly. Hopefully, Glover tests negative very soon, and that fight actually does happen. Uh, I'm excited for that fight. I think it's going to be an amazing fight. I think both guys are great, and the winner definitely gets, I think, the next title shot at 205 against the winner of Reyes and uh, Blahovitz. And that fight's coming up in, like, a couple weeks, by the way. It's crazy how fast these fights are coming up. Same with Adesanya Costa. Like, this month's going to be fun for fights. So, yes, it's unfortunate that Glover tested positive, but hopefully he'll feel better. Uh, the other guy tested positive, another huge name, Cody Garbrandt. He tested positive for COVID-19. The fight against Davison Figueredo is supposed to happen November 21st at UFC 256. That'll be the main event of that card. According to a report from AG Fight, and they're an uh, outlet in Brazil. They're, they're, they're great. They break a lot of news, and they're a very underrated outlet. They broke this news here. Uh, Cody apparently had mild symptoms, headaches. He's feeling better. He is uh, in quarantine right now, waiting to test negative so he can get back to training. Again, that fight's uh, about ten weeks from now. So I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if he's actually in his training camp yet, or if he was like just preparing to get into it. But hopefully, he's able to clear up uh, his symptoms quickly, test negative, and get back to training. That's a huge fight against Davison. Ironically, Davison also tested positive back in May. So it feels like everyone I'm talking about today is, is testing positive. It's crazy, right? Like Aldana, Figueredo, Glover. Garbrandt, like there's so many fighters who have tested positive, it's nuts. But uh, you know, hopefully they feel better. But yeah, the fight with Garbrandt and Figueredo, it's gonna be a good fight. Again, we have odds for that fight right now. Figueredo is minus two thirty, Garbrandt plus one ninety. Again, the plan is still for that to be the main event. Two fifty five, excuse me, it's UFC two fifty five, not two fifty six. But either way, should be a good fight. Hopefully, Cody can feel better soon. The other guy that tested positive, he's not a UFC fighter, but definitely a huge name in combat sports and uh, just sports in general the rock the most uh highest paid actor in the world i believe 
he tested positive for COVID-19. He announced it this week. Him and his whole family tested positive. So, you know, if The Rock can get COVID-19, I mean, anyone can get it. And I, it looks like he's feeling better now, but his voice sounded rough in, in the video. He he uh, posted a video on his Instagram talking about it, just saying to take precautions and, and warning people about the dangers of this. Um, his voice sounded really rough in that video. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, clearly, I think he had probably, uh, you know, a, a tough time with this thing. Um, you know, I love The Rock, though. I think we all love The Rock. And, you know, he maybe will be at that second BMF title fight. And I think that's a really good segue into uh, talking about that. I mean, there was news this week that the UFC is working on the BMF rematch between Masvidal and Nate Diaz. Of course, The Rock was part of that first fight. He presented the belt to the winner, uh, Jorge Masvidal. So UFC is looking at this fight now uh, for January to headline a card then. So I don't know what to think about this fight, guys. I mean, the first fight was in competitive vault. It was a huge fight for the UFC. They made a lot of money. We're all looking forward to that fight. It just was a one-sided fight. I thought Nate would be much more competitive. At the time, he was coming off a really nice win over Pettis where he used his grappling to actually win that fight. It was really nice to watch. Uh, used his wrestling. We'll see what happens. I think this is going to be uh, potentially a closer fight than the first one, which was pretty dominant by Masvidal. But I can't see really Nate winning this fight. I mean, based on what we saw last year, what's changed? Nate hasn't even fought since then. Is he even training? I have no idea. Uh, Nate's still a huge star. This pay will do well. But I would have rather seen Nate fight Connor or even Masvidal fight Connor. I think Connor's the guy being wasted here. I mean, he's the biggest star and he's just sitting on the sidelines. You know, as far as this fight goes, the odds, I believe, did come out for that. And right now, Masvidal minus 325, Nate Diaz plus 275. The first fight closed at Masvidal, I think, minus 190 or something. So right now, he's about not even double the price, but about uh, nearly double the price, I guess. Um, as he was in the first fight, I think he pretty much wins this fight anywhere the second time around. But you know, Nate, he's got that grappling the jitsu to make it interesting. He has that jab. His boxing is pretty good. Good cardio. I, that's why I picked him the first time. It was obviously a, a, the wrong pick there. But uh, you know, Mazadol. I, I just after seeing that first fight, how do you go against him? I know he's coming off the loss to Usman, but this is a different matchup. Nate's. He can use his wrestling at times. Again, like a Pettis fight, he did it, but uh, he's going to have to do that here. I think if he stands in trades in Maswell, it's going to be a bad night for him. We saw what happened the first time. He got kicked in the head. He got dropped in that fight. He got picked apart. He got cut open. Doctor stopped it. Didn't like the stoppage. Looks like the stoppage is going to lead to the rematch. So we'll see what happens there. And also announced this week was uh, Kamar Usman against Gilbert Burns. That'll headline UFC 256 in December. Co-main event, Amanda Nunes against Megan Anderson. Odds are out for both those fights. Right now, we have Kamaru Usman minus 240, Gilbert Burns plus 205, and the co-main event, Amanda Nunez minus 800, and Megan Anderson plus 550. So uh, no surprise, I think, on those odds. Uh, it looks like the Usman-Burns fight is essentially a very close line to what it was at 251 before the fight was scrapped. I mean, it's hard not to not to like Usman based on what he's done. I mean, the guy is incredible. It, it feels like I, I pick against him sometimes, and I wonder why after I did it. You know, Gilbert Burns is such a good fighter, though, so this might be another situation where I'm looking at the line, plus 205, and a guy that looked amazing at welterweight. And I might take a shot at him and, and go against the welterweight king right now in Usman, but we'll see what happens. I mean, again, that fight's in December. A lot can happen uh, until then, and who knows if these guys make it to the fight healthy. Hopefully they do. But, uh, yeah, the other fight, Nunez-Anderson, I mean, come on. That fight's a joke. Are you kidding me? I understand division is uh, it's weak, it's shallow, but I don't think anyone's giving Megan Anderson a chance. Plus 550, I don't think there's any value on her. I, I wouldn't even – I wouldn't touch her at all, you know. I don't think this will be a situation like Maria Agapova where she's big favorite loser. Amanda Nunez is an incredible fighter. I don't see many holes in her game. Just looking at uh, Kenshiro's comment, I had money in Uspin. He's never lost in the UFC for me. 
But he says he's don't count on Gilbert Burns, and I, I agree with you. He says it's the toughest fight for Usman potentially. I mean, Covington was a tough fight. That was a close fight. Ended up winning by knockout the last minute of the fight. But had that gone the distance, it would have been really interesting to see the judges scoring that. Kevin Scott, good morning, Kevin. How's it going, man? How is Nunez only minus eight hundred? Does Anderson have any conceivable path to victory? You know, I was looking kind of at her resume. She's she's a tall girl. She's a big chick, obviously at one forty five. She's got. Uh, Good kicks. I mean, that's the one thing I guess that Nunez got to worry about those kicks. She did cut open Zagano's eyelid or whatever, and she had some knockouts in Invicta with those kicks. Her offensive ground game is not bad. She has some submissions, but her grappling defensively is really bad. I mean, Holly Holm dominated her with the wrestling. Holly Holm's not a wrestler. She's a she's a striker. When has Holly Holm ever taken someone down and just held them to the ground? I, that's kind of how I see this this fight going. I think Nunez just takes her down and beats her up on the ground. Probably finishes her with either strikes or a submission. I know Felicia Spencer was able to go five rounds with Amanda. I don't think that uh, Megan Anderson is going to go five rounds. At least we knew that Felicia was durable after watching that fight with Cyborg. We knew she was tough. You know, I still think Nunez could have finished that fight. I think she was a little nice to Felicia in that fight. I think she respected her a lot and didn't really go for the kill. Um, but this fight, I, I don't. I think it probably ends in the first round for Nunez, either ground and pound or a submission. I can't see Megan Anderson win this fight, Kevin. What's her path to victory? Landing a kick. Potentially getting a, a choke, that's it. Uh, but I can't see it happening. I, I think that the line's going to go up even higher. Actually, um, me and Cole talked about this like two weeks ago, and I said I think Nunez is going to be minus 800. So I was banging on with the line. I think it's going to go up even more, though. Who's going to bet on Megan Anderson? I mean, some people probably will throw out a few bucks. It's going to be like a situation where the majority of the money's on Nunez, but the, or the bigger bets are on Nunez, but some people are going to throw down small bets on Megan, just because the odds are so crazy, but I don't think she wins, guys. I don't give her a chance. And Robert is in the chat. He says, no, nah, there's no chance. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. This is just a fight to keep that division alive for like another few months. Once she beats Anderson, and she will, I think they may close that division down. Like, what's the point of it? You know, Dan has talked about signing 145ers. Who's out there to sign? Cyborg, that's it, and uh, Julia Budd. But they're both in Bellator. They're not coming to the UFC, so – this division is it's it's such a weak division, guys. Seriously, I, and you know I, I want to like 145 women's, but it's hard to when there's like literally five fighters in the whole weight class. It's crazy. I think that you know if anything, 105 would be a better division for the UFC. There's way more fighters at 105, but there's like no finishes in that weight class, so I don't know if they'll do that. Uh, some other news here. Uh, numerous fighters, including Tim Elliott, have been suspended for marijuana use. Such a joke. Seriously, such a joke. Are you kidding me? So uh, Tim Elliott, Luis Pena, and Jamal Hill were all suspended. Luis Pena and Tim Elliott both suspended four and a half months, fined 15% of their purses for their losses to Brandon Royville and Kama Worthy, respectively. Jamal Hill got hit hard, though. He won his fight against Clitson and It was overturned to a no contest due to marijuana use also fined 15% of his purse, and he was suspended for six months. So he got a harsh suspension for this. It's not cool. It's stupid. I mean, it's 2020. Are you kidding me? I, I live in Toronto in Ontario in Canada. I can walk to the like to a store down the street and buy weed. Are you kidding me? The guys are getting suspended for this? This is a joke. Um, you know, as someone who's you know definitely dabbled in their fair share of mar marijuana over the years, I'm not condoning a guy going in the cage, smoking a joint or hitting a bong and then jumping in the cage. That's not cool. But if a guy smoked like, you know, a week before or whatever, had metabolites, who cares? That doesn't affect anything. It's stupid. Again, I don't want guys going in the cage getting stoned. I mean, I think, you know, potentially Nick Diaz was one of those guys when he fought Anderson Silva. I think, you know, he tested positive that night and we saw what happened in that fight. 
you don't really want that to happen. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a performance-enhancing drug whatsoever. I remember when Nick tested positive against Gomi years ago. I think it was 2007 or 2008, something like that, back in Pride. Um, the commissioner at the time, I, was, I can't remember who it was, Keith Kaiser, I think, uh, way back in the day. I remember he said that uh, they had the, the hearing. And I was so angry at the time. I, you know, I was uh, I was in my early 20s, and I remember reading, like, you know, used marijuana, and you gave it gave an unfair advantage because you were able to, uh, you know, absorb strikes better and and not feel the damage. That's that's not really what it does, especially for guy, guys like Pena and Elliot, who I'm pretty sure smoke a lot of weed. This just makes them normal, keeps them even keel. It's not getting them, you know, stoned where they're not feeling punishment. You know, this is, this is it's, a, it's a recovery medicine for sure, but I don't think it's the kind of thing that is really performance enhancing. You know, if it's a pie eating contest or a pizza eating contest or ice cream eating contest, yeah, then it's performance enhancing. If you're at the McDonald's drive through and whoever, you know, smokes the most and, and eats the most McDonald's, that person, yeah, if they're smoking weed, they're getting an enhanced performance at McDonald's drive through. But in the octagon, I, I don't think so, man. Sorry. You know, again, I'm, I'm Canadian. It's legal here. You know, it's something that you know, a lot of people do. It's not a big deal. Um, the States is a much different country. I get that and, and a little bit more conservative. But, you know, it, it's legal everywhere now. So many states it's legal. And, and I don't know what to say. Um, let's see here. Kinshiro says, I'd give Megan a chance if her wrestling got a lot better on the feet. Megan's precise striker. Like I said, she's got good kicks. And she's tall. She's long. So she does have some qualities that you can like, but the wrestling's terrible, man. We saw with Holly Holm, like she got taken down at will. You think she's really learned how to defend a takedown a year and a half later or whatever it is? I don't think so. I think she's going to be taken down at will here and beat up and, and finish with either a rear naked choke or ground or pound. That's kind of how I'm seeing the fight going. First round, I would guess. Take a question for Robert. Will Leon Edwards fight Wonder Boy or wait longer? This is a great question, Robert. Glad you asked it. So Leon Edwards is in such a tough spot right now. I feel bad for this dude. First off, he hasn't fought in a year. So his last fight was against Raphael Sanders. Actually, it was more than a year ago. It was 14 months ago now. He was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley. The fight got canceled due to COVID-19. That's not his fault. It sucks that happened. Um, having said that, he's got to fight soon. You know, Fight Island, they're coming back there in a few weeks. They got to get him out fight on Fight Island. He has to fight again. Wonder Boy is the only guy available right now. You know, you look at the rankings, he's literally the only guy in the top 10 um, that Edwards hasn't fought yet that is available. Um, because you look at the top 10, and we already know Usman's fighting Burns, Covington's fighting Woodley, and uh, the other fight would be uh, Masvidal against Nate Diaz. So it leaves Leon Edwards without an opponent. He's number three in the world right now. He's actually ranked above Masvidal, surprisingly. Steven Thompson, number six, the only other guy. And, and Damian Maia, number seven, I guess. Kiesa, number eight. Those guys are also available, but Damian Maia is on the last legs of his career. He should only be fighting like, these legacy fights. Kiesa would be an interesting fight, but I feel like Leon deserves a bigger name than uh, Michael Kiesa. So, you know, I, I think Leon Edwards against Thompson is a great fight. I think it makes a lot of sense. Thompson's got to get a fight, too. So, yes, Robert, I, I do think that will probably be the fight. I, I, I agree with you. It's a fight I've been thinking about the last few days just because the division is pretty much uh, chock full right now. I think it'd be a great main event for a fight night card on Fight Island in, uh, like, October or November. It'd be a fun fight to watch for the fans. So hopefully they can book it. Uh, love Wonderboy. Love Edwards. If Edwards beats Wonderboy, that's a huge win for me. Wonderboy is a really, really tough fighter to beat. You look at his career. Woodley beat him, and I know Matt Brown beat him earlier in his career, but Woodley beat him. And then uh, Darren Till, but that was controversial. Overall, the guy's extremely tough, and uh, he's really good. Leon Edwards is great, too. Eight straight wins for Leon Edwards. You can't forget that. But 
He hasn't fought in a year and a half, guys. And his best wins RDA. Looking back now, it's RDA the kind of win that gets your title shot. And I know there, there's a lot of British uh, MMA fans. I love these guys. They're very passionate about their fighters. I get it. He doesn't deserve a title shot, guys. Sorry, he doesn't. Gilbert Burns is the right guy. He's getting the shot. It's unfortunate they weren't able to book, book uh, Edwards versus Masvidal. I think that would have made a lot more sense. Or even Edwards versus Covington. I'm okay with Covington versus Woodley, though. I know it's a grudge match, so it's cool. I just feel bad for Edwards, man. Woodley's fought twice since that fight got scratched against uh, Burns and now Covington, whereas Edwards is still on the sidelines. I'm not sure who his manager is. They got to get this guy a fight. He can't just sit in the sidelines waiting for a title shot. It's such a bad idea to do that in the sport. And again, he had bad luck with the COVID thing wiping out the Whitley fight. They got to get Leon Edwards a fight. Kanchiro asked, politics kills men's lives. That being said, who are you voting for, Adam, Trump or Biden? Justin Trudeau. That's who I'm voting for, man. My boy, Justin Trudeau, the guy who made weed legalized in Canada. That's my guy. Kevin's guy is Canadian. That's right, man. Who And, and Kanchiro says, who are you going to pick? I honestly have no idea. I do follow uh, some stuff, you know, that I see on Twitter, but I'll be honest, guys, like, I, I think, you know, people get really stressed out over politics and it's easy to, but, uh, you know, for me personally, like I, I, I try to live a, a life that uh, is kind of stress-free and I, I studied some political science in university years ago and it was interesting at the time, you know, I'm, at this point in my life, it's something that doesn't interest me that much. I, I'm just way more focused on myself and, and just sports. I love sports. I know that there's a definitely a connection between sports and politics, but I try to leave the politics side out of it. Gabriel Killian. Hey, what's up, Gabe? Who did Burns beat? Oh, look, look, Gabe's pictured with Alexa Grasso. That's his girl right there. Who did Burns beat? Over the Hill Fires and William Maya. It's true, but who did Leon Edwards beat? Rafael Dos Anjos? I mean, you talk about Over the Hill. I love Rafael. He's fighting Islam Makachev, by the way. It's a crazy fight at 155. But, like, who else would get the title shot then, Gabe? I mean, Burns deserves it, right? I'm with you, though. I mean, William Maya definitely <laughs> tailoring their careers for sure. But who else? Would, it, would get it. I mean, at the time, Woodley, I think, was actually ranked number one. That's why he's getting the shot, because he jumped to number one. Um, you know, Edwards, again, eight wins in a row. That, that's something to be said for that, but his best wins are EA. I don't think it gets you a title shot. A couple other pieces of news here. Oh, sorry. Actually, getting back to the to the Elliott thing. So, I mentioned those three guys that got suspended for, for marijuana, which I, I think, again, is a joke. But there's a few other guys that were suspended for other stuff. Uh, Deron Wynn was suspended nine months and fined $1,800 for amphetamines during his loss to Gerald Mearshore over this year, earlier this year at UFC 248. So he was suspending nine months. Amphetamines are PED, so no surprise there. He was suspended. I feel like that's lenient, if anything, nine months. But it looks like uh, they're giving uh, guys nine nine months for their first-time offenses and then two years for second time, from what I'm seeing. So... Deron Wayne is a decent fighter. I mean, I, but with nine months suspension, he might get released from the UFC. I don't know if they'll keep him on the roster. A couple other guys were also suspended. Um, George Gonzalez, he didn't make his debut yet. He was supposed to fight uh, against this guy, Kenneth Bergenoso, Ikeville in the waiver a few weeks ago. He tested positive for steroids. So he hasn't made his debut yet. That guy's getting, uh, he's getting cut. I mean, there's no, why would they keep him on the roster? He hasn't even fought yet. He's already tested positive for steroids. So he's done. George Gonzalez. And the other guy's Ty Flores. He fought Dustin Jacoby on Contender Series. He was able to go the distance with this guy, but he also tested positive for Turn and Apple, which is what John Jones had in the system a few years ago, uh, which led to the fight with DC being overturned and then the fight with Gustafson being moved from Vegas to LA at the last second. So uh, that guy is probably going to get suspended for a while. And there's a few other provisional suspensions for guys. So it's unfortunate, but you know, you, you can't cheat. And a lot of these guys, they were on the regional scene and there's no drug testing for the most part. So they were cheating. 
they go to the UFC, they get caught by USADA or, or the Nevada, and they're in trouble. So, yeah, I mean, a guy like uh, George Gonzalez never debuted, already tested positive. Why would the UFC keep on the roster? They're cutting that guy. And then the other guy, Ty Flores, never even made a past contender series, so he won't be back either. Gabriel says, Edward should get Maswell, not title. I agree with that, too, Gabe. I mean, I, I don't see why they had to do Nate Diaz, Maswell, too. Uh, I, I do think they could have just did Connor versus Nate three, and that's a more intriguing fight. At least they're one and one, and the fights were competitive. First fight, Nate won the fight by submission, second round. Second fight, majority decision. Two competitive fights. I think the third fight would be really competitive. I, I, I can't see Nate getting past Maswell in the rematch. Like, what's changed? Nothing. You know, if anything, Maswell's a better fighter now than he was. Um, I know it's a big fight, I guess, you know, money-wise, but I just think they could have did Connor and, and Aiden, and then they could have did Maswell Edwards for a number of contender spot, potentially. So um, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, Gabe, you look at the rankings, man. I mean, Stephen Thompson, as uh, Robert said, is pretty much the only guy that makes sense at this point. The other guy here that was in the news in the last week or so, Ray Borg. So he retired last week, and now he's unretired a week later. He said he's been going through depression, and he kind of, like, overreacted to it. And, you know, I definitely feel bad for this dude because he's had a tough time. I mean, we all know his son is really sick. That's stressful. That's taking his focus away from his career. And at the time, I mean, when, before his son was born, um, Ray Borg was really a strong fighter. I know he did pull out of a lot of fights before with the, with uh, weight issues and stuff. But, um, you know, ever since his son was born and he's had to deal with that, I don't think his focus has been 100% on, on the cage, which is unfortunate because he is a really talented young man. But – you know, he's got a bigger fight to deal with with his boy Anthony um, being so sick. So, you know, I think the UFC matchmakers and the UFC, Dana White, they gave this guy so much rope, so much uh, uh, just of a long leash. And eventually they were just like, we have to cut our losses with him. He doesn't make it to the fight. They had to cut him. So it's unfortunate. I really like uh, Ray Borg. Um, but I think it, it was definitely the right move to, to cut him, I, I think. You know, I, I know it, it sounds harsh, but ultimately it's a job. You have to show up to work. and. There was just too many times where he pulled out the last minute and the UFC matchmakers, for them, that's very frustrating. So, you know, they gave him a pass for a long time, but eventually they kind of got tired of it. What's next for Ray Borg? He says he wants to fight again. I mean, to me, you know, this is a guy that really should be focusing probably on his family at the moment. Um, but, you know, Bellator would still be a fun place for him. I think there's fun fights for him in Bellator and, you know, one championship, PFL too. But again, you know, if you're PFL and you have a tournament, you hire, you got this guy, Ray Borg, who, pulls out of so many fights like is that the kind of guy you want in a tournament i don't know you know bellator uh there's some big fights for him there potentially i mean he could fight the winner of mix and archuleta for the belt that would be a fun fight i don't think anyone would have a problem with that but you know they signed him to a big money deal potentially does he even get to the fight it's hard to say i like ray Borg, talented guy but you know the ufc made the right move to cut him you know as far as retiring i'm retiring there's been some quick unretirements in the ufc but this one might actually set the record like a week later Couple other fight announcements, some fun fights coming up here. Bobby, Bobby Green, my boy, he's taking on Alan Patrick next weekend. Short notice fight for Bobby, taking uh, the fight for Rodrigo Vargas on short notice. I'll talk about that fight next week when the odds come out. Here's a really fun fight. It's going to happen next month. Tony Kelly against Ali Al Kaisi. Uh, two pretty like impressive fighters, I think. Uh, Al Kaisi had that fight on uh, Fight Island, and it was definitely a competitive fight against uh, what's his name. Irwin Rivera, he lost a split in that fight, but it was a super close fight. And Tony Kelly, he had a close fight in his last fight against uh, Kai Kamaka, and he won fight of the night, and that was a great fight. I do favor Kelly in this fight for sure. I mean, after that last fight, holy smoke, that was great. Great to watch. The other fight that's interesting, this is a, 
a re, not a rebooking. Uh, Chikatsi just had COVID nineteen. They rebooked him quick though against Omar Morales. This is a different fight. Uh, he's not going to fight Alex Caceres. I don't know why they weren't able to rebook that fight. I mean, Caceres took no damage in his last fight in Springer, but they're taking they're going to take on Omar Morales here, and this is definitely a step up. I mean, Omar Morales is a, a dangerous dude. You know, he's a guy that's ten and zero, and he's a guy that uh, a lot of people are talking about as being a, potentially a contender. Uh, at 145, so he's actually going to move down in weight class for this fight. I think that's a really smart move for him. He was good at lightweight. Imagine how good this guy can be at featherweight if he can make the weight. So, you know, this is a dangerous dude. He's a guy that's got a lot of experience. He's 34 years old, though, so he's going to make a run for it now, and I think he might. So I'm, I'm definitely curious to see how this fight plays out. It should be a good win. I'm sure Gabe, who's a big Giga fan, is going to like that fight. Kinshiro talks about Ray Borg there, and he says he's under a lot of stress. No doubt about it, man. I mean, your, your kid is sick, like, all the time. It's definitely going to be stressful. So feel bad for the guy, but, you know, hopefully he can get his, his demons figured out, you know, as far as the weight cutting goes. I mean, that's another problem, right? Like, that, that's that's the biggest problem with the Ray Borg. I think they were okay with him pulling out if his son was not feeling well, but when he missed weight, that's the thing that really, really upsets the uh, matchmakers. Other thing here that I guess we're sharing um, – Phil Baroni, who's supposed to fight Tiago Alves next week at Bare Knuckle. Fight's got uh, scratched. Baroni's out. Tiago Alves will now fight Julian Lane. Guy that said, just, just let me bang, bro. Let me bang, bro. Let me bang, bro. You guys remember that. That was fun. He's, he's a fun guy to watch. I think his mom follows me on Twitter. I remember she was talking to me once on there. But, uh, yeah, Julian Lane against Alves. I mean, Alves is going to be, I think, big favorite in that fight. Just If it's just striking, I mean, Alves, his, his strikes are, are nasty. The other fight in that card that's a big fight, Hector Lombard against Kendall Grove. So don't talk about bare knuckle a lot in the podcast because it's not MMA, but definitely worth mentioning because these guys were in the UFC for a long time. Anyways, I think that's going to be it for today, guys. I'm just going to take a quick look and see if there's anything else I wanted to touch on, but I think that's going to be it. Um, yeah, uh, Dana White, he had some plea yesterday on his, on his uh, Instagram. You know, if you're political like Kenshiro is, definitely worth watching that. He pleads to the Iranian government to let this wrestler go and not kill him. It's worth watching. Dana got pretty emotional on video. So, anyways, that's it for today's show, guys. I hope you have an amazing weekend. I'll be back on Tuesday to uh, recap this weekend's card and then preview next week's card, which is going to be Mitchell Watterson against Angela Hill. That's the main event of next weekend's card. So, I'll be back and, uh, on Tuesday to break down the car with Cole. So at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. But until then, guys, I hope you have an incredible weekend. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Martin, And the podcast is available, as always, mmaosbreaker.com. That's the home of the podcast. Available at YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. It's available everywhere. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, I'm pretty sure my podcast is available. Trying to grow it. It's growing slowly but surely. I mean, it's there's obviously a competitive space out there for podcasts. But I think I do a pretty good job with the show. And it's pure MMA, guys. We leave, try to leave the politics out of it, even though I'm getting uh, kind of uh, trolled into talking about it. But I'm not because I'm, I'm a nice Canadian boy, so we'll talk about it too much. Anyways, have an amazing weekend, guys. I'll be back on Tuesday, 10 a.m. Have a great one.